So a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you an experience that the Lord gave me through fasting and prayer while I was seeking him in Townsend and Cades Cove. The Lord did an amazing thing and gave me just some very clear words out in a field and in a church up there. And I told you that story. And if you missed it, there's a, there's a lot to it. It's in a sermon that's called, The Lord Who Breaks You, The God Who Breaks You Will Bring You Back. And I would encourage you to go online and, and you can watch that. But during that week, I was fasting and praying for four things specifically. Three of those things were answered that week. I'm going to tell you about that last one that was answered this week because it involves you. And you also have a decision to make in this. And so after all of that happened, kind of the breakthrough day was on a Thursday. And I called Shannon. I told her what happened. I wrote it all down. I kind of put something out there on Facebook. It was just kind of this surreal kind of a day in which God was doing some amazing things. But I'm not a very good Pentecostal, y'all. <laughs> so I wake up the next morning, and the first thing going on in my mind is, dude, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. Why'd you put that out there? Why do you, you know, you're crazy. And so here's the amazing thing about that. I was asking God to just kind of confirm that and to help my unbelief. And, and for several days after that, he just kind of put a fingerprint on several things just to kind of confirm you are crazy, but it's not because of this. But I am working in all of this. It is me. God did something on that Friday. God did something on that Saturday. I woke up that same day. Hey, I woke up that Sunday when I prayed about sharing that all with y'all. And I'm thinking, you're crazy. You're crazy. I come on in here because I believe the Lord will me share it. I shared it. And another kind of fingerprint came right after that 845 service. If you kind of go back to that, I told the whole story of, of just kind of meeting God in, that, in the, the primitive Baptist church up there in Cage Cove. I tell you all that whole story. I finished the service. Jane Willette comes walking up. She's a photographer. And she goes, and she hands me a framed, printed picture of that church. And she says, I was there the day before. She said, I've never really been over there, but I felt like I was prompted to go in there. She said, I got there. There was nobody there. So I just kind of took the picture. When you put all that on Facebook, I knew why, why I went in there. And dude, she gave me that picture, man. I just kind of came up. It was just another fingerprint that says, man, you're not crazy. This is me working. So I wake up on that Monday after I've shared all that with you guys. And guess what I'm thinking while I'm making coffee? You're crazy, right? So even though she gave me the picture, even though all these, these things are going on, I'm thinking, man, you're crazy. And there was even a part of me, I regretted. I was like, why did you share that with everybody? Man, you just get nuts that, that you're thinking. So about that time, my phone rings. And it's Melissa Korn, who does our preschool and our finances here at the church. Now, my off day is on Monday. That's the day I take off, Right? If a staff member calls me on Monday, either y'all, one of y'all is dead or you've gone to jail again, all right? That's the only reason anybody calls me from the staff on Monday. 
So I answer the phone and she can hear it in my voice and she knows what's going through my mind. I'm like, hello? She goes, no, 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 this is good. This is good. I was like, oh, man, what is it? She goes, listen, I've got the whole staff in here with me. She put, her, put it on speakerphone. She said, we need to tell you the other side of what was going on Thursday while you were up in Cades Cove. So if you guys will go back to last summer in July, we took a Friday night, a Saturday night, and a Sunday and just really sought the Lord. We pushed the pause button on a lot of things, and God's been doing some great things in the life of this church since then. But there's also been a tremendous amount of spiritual attack, particularly on our staff. And Scott came in that morning. He was talking about something that had happened to him and Stephanie and just, man, it's just so much attack, different things going on. And Jeanette, where's Jeanette? Is she, is she in here? So Jeanette, she's over there helping you. So Jeanette has been working here at the church over 20 years. She's been here a long time. So Jeanette pulls a bottle of oil out of her desk. Never seen that before out of Jeanette, right? I'm wondering what else she got in there, right? So apparently, Melissa's telling the story. She said, Jeanette pulls out a, a, a bottle of oil and dude, priestess Jeanette just starts, she goes down the hallway. She's anointing the, the doors of the offices with oil. The staff gets in there. They kind of anoint each other with oil and they're praying. And Melissa tells me, she says, I'm going to tell you, while that was going on with you that Thursday, and you were experiencing the presence of God, we were experiencing the presence and the power of God here and had no idea either one of those things were taking place. So I, just, I said, listen, I got to go and I got to really kind of process this and just kind of figure out what it means. And so that afternoon, I take a bike ride. And while I'm on my bike ride, I'm just kind of praying through this. And the same prompting that came to me about all the things that happened that week out in the field and in that church just kind of came to me and said, take the staff to the field. I'm like, okay. And, but, you know, I'm riding along. I'm like, this is, this is so crazy. If I take them up there and nothing happens, like, it's just like, is it, what if, I mean, if, if, the same thing doesn't happen to them that happens to me. They're going to think I'm crazy, right? I'm back to crazy again. But I just kind of felt that, that prompting to do that. So I texted all the staff. I said, hey, if y'all clear your calendar tomorrow, we're going to load up. I'm going to take y'all to that field. They're like, yes, let's go. So I wake up the next morning and I'm thinking, you're crazy. You, all y'all going to do is see leaves. I mean, that's all that's going to happen today, right? I've got that, that doubt, that unbelief is still in me. So... We, we schedule a time, Shannon and I drive up. We're the last ones here. And the staff is all huddled over here on the, the office door that kind of goes out the back of the church over there. We open the door, man, there's tears in their eyes. Scott had shared a story. Melissa had shared a story about something that happened that day that God was doing. There's kind of an overlap between some scripture reading that Scott had that morning. The story of something that Melissa had experienced. I mean, dude, God was already moving. They're like, we've been having church waiting on you, right? So we... So we get in the van, we head up there, and in my mind, even though that prompting was going, take them to the field, take them to the field, in my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to take them to the church. I'm going to set this whole thing up, and it's going to be awesome. So we get to the church. It is full of people. And when I say full of people, I mean like jam-packed with people. The park rangers are there doing a program called Precious Memories. I mean, it was a total swing and miss, right? I mean, 
I was like, golly, total bust. And in my mind, I was thinking, here we go. This is the crazy, right? You've missed it. But I knew we weren't supposed to be there. And so it's like, it's like, get them to the field. I told you to go to the field. Get them to the field. But here's something really cool God did as kind of another fingerprint in that. If you'll remember back to the story of what had happened the week before, I'd been reading the book of Isaiah like all during the night, just taking notes and all that kind of stuff. And when I walked into the church that, uh, that week before, there's a Bible laying on the pulpit that was open to Isaiah. You remember that? Just kind of as a, a fingerprint of, man, I'm in this. Pay attention to this. And God gave me a strong word out of Isaiah chapter 61 uh, that, that weekend. So I'm like, okay. So the, the building, the staff's there. It's all full of people. We're walking around. I'm thinking this is a total bust. Or we really shouldn't be here. We should be out in the field. And I told him, I said, hey, take a look around and then we'll go. So the Bible on the pulpit is open again. That morning, I'd been reading from the book of Job. I walk up on the pulpit, the Bible's open. Guess where it's open to? Job. Man, I was like, okay, there's your fingerprint of God. Now get them to the field, right? So we get out to the field. I anoint them all with oil, pray over them. We read scripture over them. And all the staff just kind of scatters around to just really seek the Lord. And I was fasting that day too, but I was fasting for them. God, I want you to speak to them. Give them a word like you gave me a word. Encourage them like you encouraged me. And, and I really wasn't looking for anything for myself, but God still spoke. If you will remember that next Sunday, I shared a message from Isaiah chapter one. That, that message came about by me walking down a road with a pen and a Bible and a piece of paper and writing down just what the Lord was showing me out of Isaiah one. And I also took the opportunity at that time to just pray about that fourth thing. God had answered three things, but he, had, he prompted me to pray about that fourth thing. And the fourth thing is about our Fort Oglethorpe campus. And, and if you guys were here seven years ago when all that came about, it was a God thing. I mean, God just confirmed that in so many ways of things that he was doing at that time. And it started really well. We started with about 45 people. It got up to about 130 people. It only seats about 150 people just crammed in there. It's real small. But it started with a lot of excitement, a lot of power, and a lot of good things that were happening there. The first Easter that we were there, we had 289 people. It was amazing. But about as quickly as it grew, it began to diminish and we went through a dark storm there for a long time. Right about the time we got to the end of that dark storm, Jeff Epperson, who's with us on staff now, he does kind of all our tech stuff, and he also does our worship ministries up at the Fort Oglethorpe campus. About that time, we brought Jeff on, and we thought we were kind of through that storm, and then COVID hit, right? So we closed that campus for nine weeks, just like we closed this campus for nine weeks, and we were all navigating that, not quite knowing what we were doing with the best, the information we had, we're making the best decisions we thought we could make. But that campus has never really recovered. It's bounced between about 30 and 45 people for the last couple of years. Despite what we've tried to do, it just, it just hasn't recovered. And so for the last two or three years, I've been praying about it. Many of you have been asking me about it, but I've never felt a release with it. I just kind of felt like God was just, hey, just keep on, just keep on. So we just kept on. And 
Scott Young's been up there and, and we've had some people saved. We've had some really good things, but it just hasn't taken off again like it did there in the beginning. And so the fourth thing that I was praying about was this. And by the way, I want to say, uh, man, you guys are so faithful. You're so wonderful. Because even though there were a lot of questions about that, and I know that on paper it looked like, dude, we got to make a decision about this. I would tell you guys, hey, we're praying about it, and I feel like the Lord just wants us to keep on trying. Y'all stayed with it, and, and thank God for you, and just the attitude of this church. And so the thing that I was praying about was, God, I need, we need something to go on there at Fort O so that I don't have to bear the burden of the decision. We need something really obvious, like some very rapid growth or something else, but just make it so obvious, like a breakthrough, that it's like a no-brainer of what we need to do. So that was the prayer. So I'm kind of walking back, and while I was kind of out there in the field again, just writing Isaiah 1, praying about that, the Lord kind of gave me some encouraging words to say, not to all of our staff, but to three people in particular. And one of those people is Jeff. So Jeff came in right at the end of that dark storm. Man, that's kind of been a valley of a shadow of death spiritually for all of us. Man, Jeff's been discouraged with it too. And so the Lord kind of gave me a word for him, and he was the first person that I, that I found when I was walking back up trying to find the staff members all kind of scattered out in the field. And I said, Jeff... I said, I don't know what this means, but here's what the Lord told me to tell you. A little while longer. And he goes, okay. I said, dude, I'm telling you, I don't know what it means, but all right. He said, okay. So we go on through the day. We're traveling back. Each staff member's kind of sharing some things God did in their life, and he did speak in great ways to, to each of them. It was such a good day, such an encouraging day. So that was on a Tuesday. One week later, on a Tuesday, I get a call from Jeff. He goes, hey, man. He said, J.C. Groves just called me. Now, let me tell you who J.C. Groves is. J.C. Groves was the campus pastor of Rockbridge Ringgold. And when they built the new campus they have up there, a couple of weeks later, God uh, told J.C. he was finished with him there. He moved to a church in Statesboro, Georgia. So he's been down there the last couple of years. If you listen to Moody Radio, you may know who J.C. is. He's kind of a youth, uh, youth evangelist. He's got a really popular broad, uh, podcast. He's a very well-known person in Catoosa County in Chattanooga. He said, J.C.'s moving back to town, and he's planting a church. And he wants to talk to us either about like meeting there at, at night or maybe using the building or the possibility of merging the two campuses together. And I said, wow, okay. So I go up there that night. I have dinner with JC and Jeff. He's telling me what's going on. And there's so many things that JC already has that we've been praying for. You'd have a full room immediately. You'd have youth ministry. You'd have children's ministry. All Just a lot of momentum and a lot of good things that he's already got to bring to the table. And I said, man, let's... Let's kind of think about this and pray about this. So we go through that week and that weekend, some other things happen that just kind of gave confirmation, hey, this is a good thing. Keep exploring it. Kind of keep pushing the plow through the soil, see what happens. So we don't talk again. And on that following Friday, I started fasting and praying again. 
about two things specifically. One was a number. I said, God, if this is going to come about financially, we have some needs here at the church. And, and, and so I want to put this number in front of you. And the other one was to take care of Jeff, right? If, if that campus, whatever goes on up there, I want to know that he has a place and that he's taken care of. Now, let me hit the pause button on the story, right? Because I know what's going on with all y'all right now. In your brain, the calculator just came out, right? You're going, hmm, just hang on. I'll tell you the numbers at the end of the service. Deal? Here's the other thing y'all just did. Some of y'all got your phones, you're going, J.C. Groves, who is J.C.? <laughs> so just hang on, right? Check him out at the end of the service, right? You can, you can do that. Because I want you to hear what happens next. So that Friday, I'm fasting and praying, and I take a number, and I write it on a piece of paper, and I put it in the prayer closet that's in my, in my office. I tape it on the wall. Anoint it with oil. That day it was the National Day of Recovery. They have a chili cook-off at the Whitfield County Courthouse on the National Day of Recovery. That's a tough day to be fasting, y'all. That's a... Because I am walking around at the National Day of Recovery, fasting and praying at some of the Whitfield County's finest chili, right? I mean, I can smell this. And so I'm going through, but I'm just fasting and praying. Here's the number. What about Jeff, right? That's on a Friday. One week later, on a Friday, JC gets a hold of us and he calls, right? The exact number I'd been praying about and they want to bring Jeff on with their staff. I mean, it was just like, bam. What I put on the wall is exactly what he said. And he had no idea. He had no idea. So here's the question. Why is it all of a sudden, now all this stuff is happening? When you've been laboring and working and trying and praying, all of a sudden all this kind of stuff Starts happening now. Have we prayed about it before? Yeah. Seven years ago, we prayed about it. We saw God two years ago, we're praying about it. We're coming out of COVID praying about it. Yes, we've been praying about it. But the only thing I can tell you that's very different now is fasting and prayer. And it reminds me of a story of something that happened to the apostles in Mark chapter 9. So Jesus had just sent them out. He had, man, given them the power of the Holy Spirit. They go out, they're doing these miracles. People are being healed. They're, they're doing Jesus kind of stuff. They're casting out demons. And this man brings his son to Jesus and he's possessed with an unclean spirit and he can't talk and he has these convulsions and he throws himself in the fire. And so the dad comes up to him and, he, and they, they go to the apostles, and, but they failed he says, teacher, I brought my son to you because he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever he, they seize him, it throws him down. He's, he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. He says, I asked your disciples to cast it out. They were not able. So we know what's going to happen next in the story, right? Jesus just, bam, done. Clean, unclean spirit gone. So the apostles pull him aside later. They're like, hey. Why couldn't we do that? Dude, we're casting out demons all over the place. Why couldn't we get this one, right? 
And so Jesus answers them and he says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. He indicates that at pivotal moments, there's something that fasting adds to the equation that just brings about the breakthrough. So what is fasting? Fasting is when you deprive your body of something that it desires. The most common thing people fast is food. And when you feel that hunger, instead of taking the time to feed that, that bodily appetite, you turn spiritually to the Lord. You use it for prayer, for giving, for different things of that nature. I would describe it like this. Fasting is starving your flesh so that you can feast on the Spirit. And so, when Jesus teaches about fasting, some of you are like, man, I've never done that. I've really never even heard of that. Maybe you've done it, but it's been a long time. So when Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, he's teaching on fasting, he introduces the topic by using these words. And when you fast, and he says it in a way that he assumes that that's going to be a common practice of people. And it is. Man, if you go through the Bible, you'll find several occasions of fasting. Deuteronomy chapter, I think it's chapter 9 or 19, Moses, when he goes up uh, to Mount Sinai before he receives the commandments from God, he's fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Ezra, when he's going to take the people back to Jerusalem, he doesn't have a security detail and he's embarrassed to go to the king and ask for it. So he gathers the people at the river and he says, we're going to fast and we're going to pray for three days before we ever make a move, going back to the place where we know God's sending us to go. And they did. And God protected them as they went along the way. Esther. Remember Esther? To approach the king and him not summons you is illegal. She could lose her life. But there's a great need because there's a man named Haman who wants to, to eradicate the people of Israel. A genocide is on the horizon. And so she asked the people, fast for me before I go in there for him. And then we know the providence of God of what happens next. The Lord protected her. He gave her wise words to give to the king. She found his favor. And for such a time as this, God intervenes and saves the nation of Israel. It's an incredible story. Daniel, to show the power of God to a pagan society and to a pagan king, fasted several different times in several different ways. And at each moment, God used him in a pivotal moment to demonstrate his power. Jesus, before you ever read of any miracle, before you ever hear any sermon, before you ever see a healing, after his baptism, Jesus goes into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days. The church, Acts 14, Acts 19, they're making decisions. And the Bible says that, that when they're making that decision with prayer and fasting and the Holy Spirit would speak and they would send someone or make a decision in those pivotal moments, fasting and prayer. So I said all that to, to tell you this. Fasting shouldn't be as uncommon with us as it is. And I think one of the reasons that many of us may be frustrated in prayer, and you're like, dude, I've been praying about it. We've been trying stuff, and we've been here, and we're trying to be faithful, but nothing's happening. I think because there's this spiritual discipline that we've neglected of fasting. 
So, December 4th, I wanted to tell y'all about all this, but this has happened this week, so I'm telling you now. But I want us to begin the year with fasting. First week of the year, first day of the year is a Sunday. So January the 1st through January the 8th, I want us to fast and pray. Some of you are like, seven days? So listen, there's a lot of different ways that you can fast. We'll get into that. I'll, I'll teach more about that. I'm going to make some videos and put them online. I'm writing some things up. So we're going to learn some things along the way. Now, I can tell you this, what's going on in my own life is I'm like getting ready for this, kind of like an athlete would for a, a run or something like that. I'm doing some small things to kind of work my way up to a big thing, right? I want to start the year off with a real intense fast in my own life. That's what the Lord's leading me to do. And so I've been kind of practicing fasting these last couple of weeks in some different ways. Getting, what am I going to feel? What am I going to think? What am I going to do when I get hangry, right? What, what, how am I going to deal with all that kind of stuff? And in the midst of that, the Lord's really been showing me how to seek him and some, some pivotal scripture and some important things. That's why Isaiah 58 that we read this morning has been such a passage the Lord has used. And we're going to be looking at Isaiah 58 a lot as we learn about fasting over these next couple of weeks. So January the 1st, we're going to start fasting. January the 8th, we're going to break the fast. That January 1st day, that's a communion day. So we'll start the fast with that communion, right? And we'll, we'll go through that week. Now, let's go to the end of that week. Friday night, Saturday night, the 6th and the 7th. I want us to do kind of what we did back last July. I want to hit the pause button. You're through the holidays, it's been busy. Man, let's get in here. Not going to invite an evangelist. Not going to have a, a preacher, but man, let's get back on our face before God. Let's lift up our voices. Let's pray. Let's cry out to the Lord. Let's sing. Let's give testimony. Let's let the spirit move. And I want to do that with great expectation because I'm thinking, man, if we, if we experience what we experienced last July, what are we going to be experiencing when we're all starving to death? No, but when we're all fasting, right? What's God going to do when we do this with fasting and prayer? And then on the 8th, we'll break that fast together when we come back together on that Sunday. But I want you to look at Isaiah 58. You heard Gabe read it just a few moments ago, but I want you to look at some of the things that are in there. And some of you may be, and listen, I want to tell you, this was a pivotal moment because I, this is not the first time I've fasted in my life. But I want to tell you, every other time I fasted, all I got was hungry. Nothing happened. So Isaiah 58, the Lord showed me something while I was reading it on that night I was talking about. Listen, they asked the same question, verse 3, why have we fasted and you see it not? He's saying, we've done this before. What's the difference? And later on, he goes, is this not, verse 6, the fast that I choose? And look at what happens when we do it the way the Lord would have. Man, bondage is broken. Oppression is raised. The oppressed go free. It breaks every yoke. Man, they begin to be obedient to the Lord. They take that time of fasting and they begin to feed the people they should have been feeding anyway. Their, their heart changes for the naked, for the homeless, for the poor. Man, verse eight, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing shall spring up speedily. Healing takes place. 
Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your, real, your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You'll cry and he'll say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, then shall your light rise in the darkness. Your gloom be as the noonday. And I want to tell you, man, I know many of you, you've been in the gloom, haven't you? Wouldn't it be great to have that faint spirit lifted off and him replace it with a garment of praise in your life? And I really believe that if we follow what the Lord teaches and shows us over these next couple of weeks, getting this thing ready, and we begin 2023 with prayer and fasting, and then we call different times of fasting and prayer throughout the year, and we continue to seek the Lord, I have the expectation that next year in the life of this church is going to be a season of fresh anointing that we have never experienced ever before in this place. I believe there are many of you who have prodigal children that are about to come home. I believe there's going to be some healing take place in a lot of ways, bodily, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I believe some of you, man, that, that, that gloom is going to be lifted off of your life and he's going to bring light and give you some clear direction about some things. Man, I just believe the Lord is going to move in an incredible way if we fast and we pray. I think some of these things that are happening now are just like the tip of the iceberg and God is just saying, come on, did you see that? Come, just keep on coming. Keep on. Man, you haven't seen, seen anything yet. Just keep on. And so I want to ask you to get ready for that. Because I believe that's what the Lord's calling us to in 2023. And I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment. And I don't know how this hits you. You may be sitting there going, dude, you are crazy. <laughs> that's fine. That's cool. I'm glad about that. But I'm going to tell you, God's been moving in some undeniable ways that I can't explain in any other way but him. And I believe there's a lot of you who want that too. And so here's what we're going to do. Kylie's going to sing. We're going to give you just a minute. The altar's going to be open. I want to ask all that can and will to come and either sit on the front seat or to get in this altar, one, and to pray about this next new year. Because I think, man, some of y'all are there. You're like, dude, I, that's cool what's going on in the church. But Brian, there's things so broken in my own life. Awesome. The God who breaks you will bring you back. So I want you to come and lay that big thing in front of God. Man, if I could experience a breakthrough, Lord, in 23, this would be it. I want you to lay that on the altar today. And I want to tell you what else you need if you're going to fast and pray. This is what I found. You need the grace and the power of God because it's not easy. Boy, he, it's awesome the way he answers. It's incredible. So ask for the grace and favor of God. Here's the next thing I want to ask you to pray about. We're going to pray together. You're going to get in this altar. I'm going to pray over all of us. But pray about this decision. I'm going to give you more detail at the end of the service, but I want you to pray about this decision. I'm going to give you the details. Let's pray about wisdom for it. And we'll decide on it next week. But let me pray for you. And then we're going to stand together and you come. And let's pray over this. Heavenly Father God, we 
come to you this morning thanking you for the movement of your power and all this stuff. And it's just incredible. And so, Lord, I pray that that anointing would go to the, all the congregation, Lord. It would just begin to flow in all of our lives. Lord, I desire this. We desire this. Thank you for bringing about an incredible opportunity with this new church plan. And so, Father, we pray that you teach us to pray and fast. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together? If you can lean on.